Today's reading is taken from uh, Psalms uh, number 96, and it's found in your, in your Bibles on page 602. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, this marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all gods of the nation are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come to his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. This is the word of the Lord. For the last four weeks, we've been thinking about how great God is. How amazing he is and all that he gives us. He gives us life. He gives us provision, he gives us talents, he gives us time, he gives us resources. And he gives us so much more, he gives us Jesus. And we've been thinking about just how amazing he is, but also how we want to live our lives in a generous way, being like a generous God. And we've thought about how we give our lives back to him, every part of it, we don't hide bits away from God how we want to use our skills and all that he's given us in terms of gifts and talents to be able to be used for his purpose, how we spend our time, how we use our resources, our possessions, our money in order to extend God's kingdom, but all because of what God has given us. We worship a generous God. And so we've come to the end of this particular series, and today is the culmination of that, the celebration, where we celebrate who God is, but also have an opportunity to respond back. And it's harvest. And later in the service, we're going to invite you, if you'd like to bring up, if you've brought some food donations for the food bank, we're going to do that. But we've also been thinking about how we should best respond to the refugee crisis. We've all been struck by the scenes on television read lots of reports. And we've been thinking as a church, how do we respond to this? Sensing that God wants us to respond, but what is the best way to do that? Today seems an opportune moment, while it's harvest, to give back in a financial way. There are many, many ways to support the refugees, and all of them are good. We've had to pick one way, because it's far easier for us as a church to give to one thing rather than a hundred things. And as individuals, you may choose to respond to this crisis in different ways. But today, we want to give money to Syrian refugees who are currently in Lebanon. 
where the majority of the refugees are. We've heard a lot about refugees coming into Europe, but we want to support what's happening on the doorstep in Lebanon. And we know that there's a lot happening there, a lot of refugees pouring into Lebanon. And one of our mission partners works there. Viva, the charity, the Christian charity that works around the world, has a particular focus in Lebanon. And it seemed right, because of our links, to support the Syrian refugees through an organisation that we are already working with. We're also really fortunate that the chair of Viva, the voluntary chair, is Nick Bamber. And he has a big overview of all that goes on with Viva. But I've asked him today to come and to speak particularly about what's happening in Lebanon and where our money that we collect today will be going. Nick, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Um, it's a great pleasure to be talking about Viva and all that uh, that we do. You will know that Debbie and uh, a group of ladies from the church went to, uh, went to Kenya about two years ago. Uganda. There you go. Uganda. Get it right. When they were in Uganda, they met a young lady called Kezia. Kezia is a British young lady. And she had been inspired to, uh, to work with us in Uganda and uh, to help the Christians there to respond better to the needs of the kids around them. Viva has a very simple principle, which is to bring Christians together, to work together and help them be more effective in their support for the kids in their, in their vicinity. We seek to work with children, uh, children who are at risk, who are vulnerable, who might be in orphanages, who might be uh, street children, and seek to work with them. And we believe that the most effective way of doing that is by bringing the churches together. I mention Kezia because she will come back into our story uh, a little bit later. But today is about Syria and, and Lebanon. And we, you know, I want to remind us a little bit of the story of, uh, of Syria and Lebanon. It's been very vocal on our TV screens in the last few months. But the reality is this war has been going on for four and a half years. It's something we forget. Uh, I was reflecting on when the Arab Spring started, my, my Lydia over there was, was, was three. Um, she's now eight. Entire childhoods are being spent in refugee camps. And uh, they are growing up in circumstances that you know, defy explanation. And they have experienced uh, the kind of warfare and death and, and horrific violence that we really, really can't imagine. There are more than 10 million people who have been forced from their homes. We are seeing a few hundred thousand of them heading towards the European shores. But the reality is over 10 million people have, have been forced from their homes. Four million of them have left the country and a million of them are now at least, and these numbers are broad because you can't really calculate them, let's face it, about a million of them are now in, the, in, in Lebanon. And there's lots of politics around all of this, and we could talk about that for hours. But the focus for today is, is clearly that these are real people. They're made in the image of God. And you know, the children absolutely are innocent uh, of the causes and uh, is, is what's happened. So there's just a little montage now, which has been put together by a guy called Tom Reed, who's a Christian singer-songwriter, puts together some pictures to try and emphasize the point that these are real kids uh, in circumstances that, that we would you know, deplore and struggle to. It could have been me 
I'm sensitive to putting up uh, an emotional video because it is an emotional video. But that's the emotion is actually how, if you're a Lebanese church and you have all these children in front of you, the first reaction is an emotional reaction. What can I do? What can we do in this circumstance? Of the broadly a million refugees in Lebanon, broadly 50% are children. 
half a million under 15s suddenly arriving in a country that only has 4 million people in it. What do you do? This, the government has been has, has desperately and you know, amazingly been able to put on 100,000 new school places, which I think is an amazing actually feat you know, for those of you in education to suddenly do that in the space of no time is remarkable to put on it, it, to put on that kind of support. So the, the churches are struggling to respond because they respond emotionally because that is the right human response is to do something. Jesus calls us to love our neighbour and in this case they've got a whole bunch of new neighbours and they're sat right on their doorstep and the kids are running around in the streets the kids are running around the shanty towns and the tent villages uh, and they're suddenly having to respond. The question then is what can you do and how do you respond? Well, our friends at Food for the Hungry, which is a large relief agency, uh, have been in Lebanon actually for four years and been doing wonderful work. And they are doing what you might call the immediate relief work, which is tents, food for the hungry, uh, blankets, that, that sort of very basic, uh, very necessary work. But they were seeing this crisis develop from immediate relief issues into you know, the ongoing needs of the children. As I said, entire childhoods are now being spent in, uh, in these refugee camps or tent villages. And they gave us a call because one of the things that they were struggling with was how to work with their churches to respond to these children, how to work with these children over, um, uh, over many years. And they gave us a call, which ended up being Kezia, uh, a call to go and spend some time with them to try and develop... Uh, their work amongst children uh, in, the, in, in amongst the churches to help the churches to respond to the kids uh, on the ground. We in Viva do not have all the answers. We do not have all the people to be able to respond to these needs. We are not located in Lebanon. We are not going to be there for the next 20, 30 years. Dare I say it, the last crisis, refugee crisis to impact Lebanon, happened about 60 years ago. It's called the Palestinian uh, crisis, and those Palestinian refugees are still in Lebanon. So this issue is a permanent problem that needs to be developed, and the, the sticking plasters are not the long-term solution. The solution is to work with the churches. The wonderful thing about Christians around the world is they are in the communities, they're going to stay in the communities, and they're going to love the communities ongoing. And by helping those Christians equip themselves and provide for these kids. They can deal with that sense of panic, uh, which is uh, what's been going on, and help them to respond with long-term solutions to genuinely bring about change. The reality is so many of the solutions and the energy to building a stable and sustainable life in this environment actually comes from within those communities. Those We'll come to the story in a minute, but the, the churches are providing the, the teaching. The, we're finding teachers from within the Syrian communities to provide literacy and keep, keep the classes going. What people needed was just a little bit of organisation to help get the thing going. But the resources, the energy, the sustainability, the commitment comes from within these communities. And by organising and pointing in the right direction, that, uh, you're able to deliver something effective. And as with the, the fish, keep swimming, keep swimming down. Actually, by doing something together, they're able to actually bring about the change. So what exactly is Viva doing in Lebanon? 
Well, together with Food for the Hungry and our local Lebanese partner, LSESD, Kezia has been bringing together the churches. There's about 20 churches that she's been working with uh, so far. Bring them together, a number of things, but the one we're going to talk about today is what's called child-friendly spaces. So that we are creating within the communities, within the refugee camps, spaces for where children can come together. If you think at least 80% of the children in these spaces are not getting into school. So they're just running around the whole time. Some of you kids may think that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, No school, no activity of any sort. But actually after a few years of doing this, you might find that quite frustrating. And actually, these are very unsafe places. There is no child protection type dynamics for people to, to to be aware of. And then we are creating these child-friendly spaces. Now, a child-friendly space, think of it as a, some cross between, depending on the age group, something between messy church, a school, and what you might call a child therapy type space. So it's a physical space. It may be a tent. It may be a corner of a building. Physical space where children can come and be safe in the context of a day. And in that space, the churches are able to then run various programs. Those programs may be for the very young kids, literally just play zones. Those, they're as simple as that. But the kids are actually safe. As they get a little bit older, some of the churches are starting to run basic education. This is not full-blown education. This is basic literacy and maths. But there are also opportunities just for the kids to be in a safe space. And I think the most interesting part of this is, I think it, we would call therapy. The reality is these are children from the ages of naught to to 15 who have seen people die in front of them, who have seen their, 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 they've lost parents. They've been through some genuinely terrible experience and nobody has had the time or energy or emotion to be able to invest in them. And so these child-friendly spaces are being, are being developed, some in Beirut, some in the Bekar Valley and some further north up in Tripoli. And quite amazingly, the one that I have to say has touched, touched my heart the most is actually there are some group of young people, because again, we get all the negative stories about what Syrians are doing, and they're all coming to you. There are some young people in, in homes in Syria, with the people who are trapped still in Syria, who have been coming out to Beirut to get trained as to how to run these spaces, how to, how to look after kids, how to develop them in the right way, and then have gone back in to homes to actually run them in the middle of Syria. And places that you know, Westerners can't possibly go to support them. But as I said before, the, the, the people, the solutions to what people can do are within, are within these communities. If you want to get into any more of the detail of all of this, Kezia has been putting, putting out various blogs, which for the elders, older, those older in our, amongst the church, that simply means a diary going up on the internet. And so she's, she's putting up these blogs. This is on the Viva website, www.viva.org. It's regularly up there, what she's up to in some of the stories. And I'm just going to read you one, um, one piece that she has, she has uh, put out just recently. This is the story of a girl called Sarah. She's based in Homs in, in, in Syria. So this, this is how Kezia um, puts it. Once, when Sarah was at the centre an explosion happened, which they could hear. It happened near her home. Her mother died. She heard about it when she went back afterwards. It's hard to imagine that this 
girl was happy and playing in this child-friendly space and then went home to find that her mother had died. In the midst of all of this, the committed team of young people running the space who were daily getting together, investing time and care into the lives of 240 children in an ongoing and dedicated way. Six months into this project, the team were discouraged and feeling and not seeing a big change in the children they were working with, which is not really very surprising given the context around them. Six months later, when I went to see them, the team were telling a different story. They were deeply encouraged by the signs of change that they were now seeing in the children. And one of the most important aspects was that the children were feeling able to talk and trust with them with some of the situations they were dealing with. And one example was when Sarah came back in after her experience and was able to actually express what had happened to her mother and the team were able to talk with her and spend time with her. And it's in situations like that that people are able to respond and love these children. So that's an example of the very practical work that the churches are trying to do to run um, in both Lebanon and in Syria. The cost, honestly, of setting these things up is really very modest. Most of our infrastructure costs are covered by Food for the Hungry. But the more opportunity we can do to train these uh, churches, some cases physically build tents, because that's what's required to enable some of these things to happen, in order to bring some training materials to support the education as it develops, helps to build what we're able to provide. Where Viva, Viva goes into a place, it starts with one particular area and it's child-friendly spaces, which we're doing there. In time, as these churches come together and the networks develop, we will move on to other issues of fostering, full-blown child protection, adoption, and other issues will develop as we're there for longer. But today's focus and any money that you support us with today will go towards those child-friendly spaces. So thank you very much for your support. Thank you for your prayers. And maybe at that point, I think we're just going to pray, uh, if that's okay, for the churches in Syria, who are, they are our brothers and sisters who are trying to respond to the need. Father God, we thank you that your call on our lives is really very simple. It's to love you and to love our neighbour as ourselves. And Father, we thank you for these churches in Lebanon who are doing just that. Father, help them deal with their issues of fear, of panic, of bemusement as to how to respond to the needs in front of them. Father, help them to put in place these programs that sustainably support and love these children over time. Father, help them to reach these children. Help them to speak into their lives, that these kids will grow up and invest back in good practices within the church, invest their lives in doing good stuff, rather than drifting off into some of the other areas that young people are doing in the Middle East. Father, we thank you that this is interventionist work for your kingdom, and we pray that you would build that kingdom in Lebanon and Syria.
in ways that the wider world couldn't possibly see. In Jesus' name, Amen.